0: Hello and welcome along, thanks for listening. For the last six months I've been getting bite-sized stories from athletes hoping to be heading to Tokyo this summer. And some like today's guests have been good enough to come on every month, what's and all, with the story of their campaign. So it's a welcome back today to Ali Jawad, GB powerlifter, silver medal winner in Rio... Ali was born with no legs, been a great competitor over the last decade and more, but if you've been following the past episodes, you know he was diagnosed with Crohn's disease just before the Beijing Paralympics, and the condition has really impacted Ali in the last few years. It would be amazing for him just to qualify for Tokyo. When we last spoke, Ali was in the Last Chance Saloon, one last tournament to try to have a chance of making it. Ali, good to see you. Thanks for having me on. How did
1: it go? Um, well, probably the best performance since Rio, to be honest. Wow. Yeah, I couldn't believe it. I had to fund it from absolute nowhere, uh, but I, I managed it. So I was all that experience, all the situations that I've found myself in the past, I had to use everything to try and pull it off on the day.
0: How did you do that? Because you were pretty
1: downbeat
0: about it uh, before you went and you were lowering expectations. But
1: what did you draw upon to make you perform on the day? I had to I thought about it as this is the end of my Paralympic career if I don't pull it off today and I felt that I either give it absolutely everything because it could be my last one could be the end for me or I I quit so I had to take myself to a very dark place mentally and emotionally to really get into that zone to to try and pull it off and I guess for me um I've I've never been in the zone before. I think I think it's talk about it a lot, but I've never actually been in that place before. Uh, and in Georgia, I managed to get myself in the zone, and uh, I can't remember much to be honest. <laughs> uh, but it paid off. I was going to say, can you describe
0: it? Can you describe it at all?
1: Yeah. So what I did was, uh, since the Manchester World Cup, I kind of every, like ten minutes every single day, I try to take myself to that place progressively. Uh, kind of thought about every single scenario, thought about the pressure that I'm going to be on and thought about ways that I'm going to combat it when I get there. So I thought about everything. And I guess that practice, taking yourself to that place on a daily basis, uh, put me in good, good stead on the day. And yeah, it's something that you don't encourage people to do because people don't like going to dark places. Uh, but obviously when a, my body's not going to respond to anything... Mentally, you're going to have to drag it to something, and my mind on the day was way stronger than than my body. So I'm glad my body didn't break.
0: That's fascinating, really, isn't it? Because you know, if you're looking for a sport that's about the body, then powerlifting is going to be way up there. But the power of the mind is what you got you over the line. Yeah,
1: um, you know, unfortunately, my body is not how it used to be. Uh, It just doesn't give me what I want anymore. So the the only ways to my my brain has to you know, drag it over the line, uh, and, and luckily, not only did I lift to my absolute best on the day, but um, you know, my body didn't break. And I think that would have been because I, I would have hated the fact that I could have lifted one seventy, my body broke, and I would have gone to Tokyo anyway. So I'm glad it survived it, and I'm glad I can, hopefully. Oh, we'll I will find out in the next three weeks if I've made it. But um, if I have, then I'm still in in the fight, uh, even though it's little. I'm, I'm still there, hopefully.
0: So what's the scenario? How do you know if you're going to make it? So it's a
1: nervous wait. So next week is the Dubai World Cup, which I'm not going to. And I have to watch from home my class. Uh, and hopefully, well, I'm hoping that two people don't overtake my lift. And if they do, I don't qualify. And if they don't, um, hopefully I'll beat the Games. So uh, it'll be a nervous wait. So you, you, you need two people going above you then? Yeah, the about margins. about yeah. two people to go above. So fine, yeah. fine, fine margins. How are you feeling about it all? You know what? I'm I'm at peace. Like I made that choice not to go to Dubai. Um, it was my choice, so it's my responsibility. And whatever happens, it's, it's on me. And I, I guess if you look back at what's happened in the last five years, uh, I don't think anybody would have. Uh, well, from the outside, nobody thought I was even going to make it this far. Um, so I've done more than anybody ever expected. So if I do get there, um, as I said, that that is my my medal. Um, I, would, I certainly will not be a medal favourite at all.
0: And how's training been since you've come back? I mean, do you feel buoyed by it? Are you in a different place?
1: I think what it what it allowed me to do in Georgia is uh, it gave me hope that all the times I've had to really hang in there when things were looking you know down and out was justified uh, and the risk that I've taken has been justified and the, the outside noise I call it with people being quite negative um, you know I've kind of proven them wrong but it was never about proving them wrong it was about proving myself right and uh, I'm glad that the risks I've taken have been, you know, for now been justified. And hopefully, if I do get to the games, it, uh, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna be there or thereabouts uh, in terms of you know putting on a show that I think that deserves the last five years. Uh, it might not be a medal, but I'm hoping that will be my best performance since since Rio, because it's going to have to be.
0: Wow, well, it's yeah, it's going to be an anxious couple of weeks or so. Um, fingers crossed. I mean, that's all I can say really. I mean, you've done as you've done your bit. I suppose that's it, isn't it? You've done what you're happy
1: that you've done your best. Yeah, um, I can, no matter what happens, qualify or not, medal or not, I can look back after Tokyo and look at myself and the team around me, and I can say, you know what, hands down, we gave it absolutely everything and more. And uh, unfortunately, uh, you know, your body potentially let you down, or actually, you know what, you pulled off something incredible. So, no matter what, we've really pushed uh, the disease to the limits that no one's ever taken it to.
0: I just want to pick on your expertise. There was a panorama programme on the BBC the other night uh, talking about classification, which, well, you're probably better than me at explaining classification, but it's really the sort of trying to to level the playing field with different disabilities in, in, in different sports. And the sort of thrust of the programme was that actually people are playing the system and it's not a level playing field and there's some cheating going on. Um, I mean, the stories have been out there before, but this is just before the Paralympics. How do you as a Paralympian, and a Paralympian who has studied in this area, feel when you see that sort of programme, those sort of accusations, former athletes saying those sort of things?
1: I'm not denying the fact that there is a potential welfare issue in terms of preparing athletes for potential reclassification or them being non-classifiable anymore. There, there is an issue where you have to prepare athletes um, just in case it happens, because it is a likelihood that it could happen one day, however, the problem i had with the program is that they used it, they use outdated information and they use athletes that are that retired years ago We were talking about you know five six seven years ago, and that 's a long time, and the system 's changed since then and look i 'm not the biggest fan of the IPC when it comes to classification um, I've, you know i 've been a big critic, um, however, I do understand that the IPC uh, have got uh, the, the resources are not, um, you know, it's they, like a bit like warden and anti-doping, right? Cheating will always happen. But if you don't fund it properly, you're never going to find uh, resources to limit that. Um, and what I want is um, more funding for classification manipulation, making sure that there, there is some sort of accountability. I do want a, an external body that looks into this, not the IPC, but external body, that regulates and gives out sanctions and writes the rules and there'll be an international standard. Uh, but also I feel like there should be compulsory education for athletes with classification, like anti-doping, because athletes don't actually go, you know what? Yeah, uh, I can prepare myself properly just in case it happens to me. And there should be a mechanism in place to support the athletes transitioning out of classifications. Um, so look, i I've got a lot of problems with the uh, with the program, but I have a lot of sympathy with the IPC with the, the jobs and the tasks that that, that they, they have to do. Um, that's why research is so important. And I, I just hope that the IPC engage with the research uh, and not shy away from it. And that's what I want from the IPC. Like we're not here to I'm not here to criticize them at all. I'm here to help hopefully regulate that in the future. So I want them to engage with me.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, I didn't like personally the the. Implied finger pointing at certain athletes that were done on the program, I'm, but, but I agree with you. I, mean, I know athletes who have been reclassified uh, in the run-up to Tokyo, and it's just not one for six. You know, mentally it's been it so hard to it take, has. and it's taken yeah. away their livelihood. And I think that's a really um, important issue that wasn't really touched on the program. And I think you know, for athletes who've who devoted their life to their sport to suddenly be told overnight, hang on a sec you know you're now reclassified and from being a gold medal winner and a world record holder you are now not even likely to go to the games is a massive thing to take on board
1: i think the, the ipc are committed to evidence based classification and if you can get it to you know a truly evidence based system the, that the instances of that happening will be less however it's how you get an evidence evidence based system across all sports because we know that the minimum criteria Uh, varies between para sports and that's the issue here
0: yeah Uh, great to get your take on that Ali thank you very much look uh, we'll all be watching with you over the next uh, week or two and hoping that you stay in the top eight and when we next speak you can actually breathe a sigh of relief and that you can get the kit and uh, you'll have Paralympics GB emblazoned across your chest again great to talk thanks very much thank you that's Ali Jawad GB powerlifter and if you want to listen back to Ali's story and he's really told it what and all, then you'll find monthly updates going back into the Destination Tokyo back catalogue. And I hope that when I next talk to Ali, he's managed to defy the odds and make it to Tokyo. Well, that's it for today. Don't forget, there is a whole back catalogue of interviews. Uh, last week, for example, gold medal hockey winner Shona McCallan, Vicky Thornley, who won silver in rowing in Rio, uh, discussing her overtraining syndrome that's affected her preparation to Tokyo, And there's Laura Gallagher from Trampoline Gymnastics who speaks so well about her celiac disease and what it means to her to become an Olympian. Back in Parasport 2, there's Jeanette Chippington going for a seventh Games. That's just uh, the last few episodes from last week of Destination Tokyo. Thanks for listening to this one. Thanks for downloading. Thanks for all the lovely comments. And see you on the next one. Bye-bye.